0: podcast.
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Jason Zuck. I'm excited about our interview with Lisa Erickson regarding her new book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma, Owning Your Power, and Finding Overall Wellness. Lisa is a renowned chakra-based energy worker, writer, and teacher specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing. I hope you can enjoy this episode, and thank you so much for supporting us. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show featuring Jason Zuck. Jason has been an intuitive psychic medium since 2004. This show will cover a variety of topics relating to spirituality, mediumship, self-improvement, and intuitive guidance. Whatever interests you, remember that we are all here to share and learn. Sit back and get ready to socialize with the social psychic. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's with great pleasure that I introduce Lisa Erickson uh, today for the show. Her book is Chakra Empowerment for Women. I'm excited about this interview. Lisa's a renowned chakra based energy worker, writer, and teacher specializing in women's energetics and sexual trauma healing. She's worked with the Breathe Network, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting holistic healing for sexual trauma victims. And she's also trained in multiple energy healing modalities and is certified in mindfulness, meditation, and trauma sensitivity. In her book, Lisa offers guidance on how to move past trauma, find strength, and thrive with 12 chakra tools that are based on the feminine energy, body, and life phases. These tools focus on challenges that women often face in owning their power, balancing work and family, and maintaining physical and emotional health color insert with clarifying chakra figures, this essential guide presents a no-nonsense, easy-to-use approach to the chakras that helps women manifest their highest potential. Each chapter focuses on a new chakra tool, helping one to explore how to use it within their daily life for long-term growth, overcoming blockages, healing sexual trauma, and more. Chakra empowerment for women supports one's journey in practical ways as you recover the energy of your empowered self. It's a great pleasure that I welcome Lisa Erickson to the show. Welcome to the show, Lisa.
1: Thank you, Jason. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: (laughs) It's my pleasure. I, uh, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about this very important topic, Chakra Empowerment for Women. And my first question to you is going to be, what motivated you to write this book and why?
1: I really wanted to share the work I've been doing with women over the past 15, 16 years in a form that was more accessible, especially getting information out there about how women's energy bodies differ from men's and how women can work with things like menstruation and menopause in an energetic way that's empowering instead of feeling as if those are debilitating. And then the other piece is the sexual trauma healing. And especially in light of me too, we have more abuse and assault survivors coming forward, both male and female. And I really wanted to get out this way of working because for many people, it's very beneficial as part of their healing.
2: A hundred years ago compared to now uh, how society appreciates women and, and their bodies and, and women's mm-hmm. rights productive rights. We've come a long way, but we haven't obviously come far enough. And hopefully in my, in our lifetime, that'll, that journey will be accomplished. I, uh, Mm -hmm. I want to ask you this in terms of working with women energetics, what steps do you take to help sexual trauma victims when you first start working with them?
1: Well, it's interesting. It, It depends on where they are in their healing process have they told anyone, have they worked with anyone already? But for someone who's really coming forward for the first time, maybe sharing it with me or as one of just one of the very first people that they're sharing it with, then we're really looking at what patterns of secrecy or shame they may have internalized and how does that manifest in their body? Where do they feel it in their body and how do they feel about their body And interestingly, like energy work, even though it's taking place in your energy body, what happens is that a lot of times people that have experienced trauma of any type, but especially sexual trauma, they disassociate from their body. And from a chakra perspective, that means they disassociate from those lower chakras the first chakra and the second chakra especially, and all the energies associated with the root and second chakra. So even if someone's not familiar with the chakras, I'm usually starting with helping them focus on their lower body where those two chakras are located and helping them really feel as if their physical body and their energy body in that area is linked and opening up their ability to relate to that part of their body.
2: I love that. Let me ask you a question. Chakra 101. I'm listening to this for the first time. I tuned in mm-hmm. here. Thank you for coming on. this. You know, thank you for listening to our show. I'm joking around. How would you explain what a chakra is to our audience so they know what we're talking about right now if they don't have a familiarity with what it is?
1: Yeah. It's an energy center in our energy body. And our energy body mirrors our physical body, but it's really an interface between our physical body, our psyche, our mind, and, and ultimately our spirit for someone who believes in that But it's interesting because chakras have been around in virtually every medicine and spiritual tradition around the world. They're not always called chakras, but even like Hopi Indians, Navajo Indians, Native American tribes around the world have energy center mappings of the body that are very similar to those that come from India and Tibet that most of us in the West that have studied the chakras have been familiar with. So this concept of energy centers is pretty universal. It's kind of amazing actually. And the main energy centers go up the middle of the torso. The mapping I'm using focuses on seven main energy centers that span from the first one at our tailbone, the very base of our spine, to the seventh one at the crown of our head. And each energy center in energy medicine, it's tied to different parts of your body and different organs, different glands. And then on a psychological level, it's linked to different energies and emotions that you might feel. And so you re- it's really a way of looking at what's going on in your body, your mind, your psyche, all different levels.
2: That's a great explanation. I think that'll be helpful for our, for our audience. I, uh, I want to ask you, I know that we we, we got a chance to talk before we started the show
0: and -hmm. you
2: indicated to me that you also work with men with sexual trauma Mm -hmm. as well. And I guess one of my first questions, uh, another question about that would be how are men and women different with their energy bodies and how do you work with them differently in terms of that when it comes to sexual trauma?
1: Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty across the board, this disassociation, but for men, it's interesting. They're more likely to sort of what I would say lock into the third chakra, which is the chakra of like power and never being vulnerable again. So male trauma survivors are often more likely to sort of shut everyone out and lock into this uh, very isolated way of being in the world. And then there's no flow between the chakras. It's very exhausting. The first and second chakras aren't flowing. There may be little to no emotional connection. There may be high states of anxiety, but it's, it's, it's not necessarily seen as anxiety. Whereas women tend to experience it more in terms of second chakra issues with being overly, perhaps feeling like they're overly empathic, not having any boundaries, taking on other people's emotions. So there's a lot of similarities, but that would be the main difference that I see that men tend to emotionally shut down and women can almost feel as if they're emotionally unstable, but it's really that they don't have any energetic boundaries and they are taking on others' emotions. So with women, I'm working a lot with boundaries, and with men, I'm working a lot with flow and trying to connect more to emotions.
2: Okay. Here's another question I'll ask you. When it comes to women, for example, and they suffer a sexual trauma experience, what if it was, is it harder for you to work with women if they've repressed it and more time has passed and it becomes ingrained mm. into, their, in, into their energetic bodies? For example, let's say it happened 10, 15 years ago. And they've tried to just coexist and they're listening to this and they're thinking, wow, I did have a sexual trauma and Mm -hmm. I haven't really gotten past it. What suggestions Mm -hmm. or how would you recommend that person kind of connect this episode and and start working for themselves on what they need to work through if they need to? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, well, in that case, I really advisor the way I would usually work personally is not so much trying to reconstruct the trauma right which can be useful in talk therapy but where I would start with is how do you think it's impacting you now is it impacting your relationships now are are you sexual do you relate to sexuality in a way that you feel is healthy or unhealthy Do you live in a state of hypervigilance where you feel as if you're just anxious all the time? Really trying to see, you know, what is leading someone now to really look at how this has impacted their life. And then we work with how do you experience those things in your body now? Like if you do feel you have a high level of anxiety all the time, describe to me the last time you walked into a situation that induced that kind of anxiety and how did you feel it in your body? So I do a lot with how do you feel that in your body? Where do you feel it? Trying to awaken this somatic sense of the body. And then from there, we may work backwards over time. Working together, we may eventually get back to really working with releasing the trauma as it is in the body. But if we try to go right there when someone's not ready, it can actually be re-traumatizing. And that's part of being trauma sensitive when you're working with someone is not trying to feel like, oh, it's always about the big release. <laughs> Sometimes it's just about dealing with what happened yesterday and the ways you felt closed down or anxious yesterday and starting there, starting with trying to breathe through that and let that go from the body first.
2: When you reference energy work, can you be a little mm-hmm. more specific for our audience about what type of energy work you favor in terms of your modalities that you offer the people you work
1: mm-hmm. with? Yeah. I mostly do guided work. I mostly work by Zoom and phone and I do, I am guiding someone to feel something in their body. It's a dialogue process, but I'll be saying, okay, so you had the situation yesterday where you were triggered. Where did you feel that tension in your body? Oh, it was okay. On the right side of your body, you felt butterflies, you felt anxious, you felt tension. And then we're kind of guiding them into their energy body and doing Release moves, transform, uh, transform, transformation exercises. Sometimes we'll try to imagine we're going into that energy. Sometimes we'll focus on the nearest chakra and imagine that chakra is dissolving the anxious energy. We'll focus on flow between the chakras. So it's almost like guided imagery and visualization work, but it's very somatic in the body in terms of what someone is feeling in the, in the moment. So that's different than, say, Reiki or other hand healing methods where you would be holding your hands over someone and directing energy into their body. My work, I, I also do that and I'm trained in it, but really my work has migrated more to kind of this guided imagery and meditation focus and that's why I can do something like this in a book because people can actually do it on their own.
2: You know, what's interesting about that. When you tell me that I'm very visual in my mind, so I could see we mm-hmm. directing somebody and working through the chakras in that type of way, in a guided mm-hmm. manner could help them learn uh, coping mechanisms within themselves, while also doing the energy yeah. work. Is that what you find yeah. from personal experience working with your clients?
1: Yeah. And that's really what I tried to focus on is what's a tool that you can, in the moment you're feeling anxious or in the moment that you're feeling shut down, in the moment where you're going into fight, flight, or freeze, what can you do right in that moment to shift your energy, shift your mind, shift your body, a real, a, a visual, uh, and then hooking it to a word that becomes like your cue word for shifting your whole state of being. And you sort of practice it, this visualization, say, of what I call the root bowl, like the root chakra lit up with having this bowl around you that the earth is creating to keep you safe, something like that. You practice it outside of triggered situations to get yourself accustomed to it, and then you'll have a trigger visual or a cued word that you use to help bring that forward when you need it in your daily life. And that's kind of what I call shock to ac- activation. I'm really passionate about that, like giving people tools they can use in the moment in their life to you know, learn to shift their energy right in the moment.
2: Basically, a practical real-life exercise in the midst of your mm-hmm. anxiety,
1: do this. That's right.
2: Focus here. That's right. And that's, that's a yeah. positive channeling of, of reorganizing your thoughts and your look at the mind-body-spirit as a whole. And I like that a lot. Yeah. I think that's so important. The gestalt yeah. of it, compared to what yeah. you know our n- modern Western medicine does, by they reduce it to its yeah. inter-intercedent parts.
1: Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And so much stuff is, you know, we get a lot of advice about breathing, breathe through it, and breathing techniques are great, but they don't work for everybody, or they don't resonate for everybody. And it's interesting. There's been some studies, like trauma survivors sometimes controlled breathing, like breathe in four breaths and out six breaths are actually feel constraining and triggering, right? It's just not the right modality. So for some people, you know, nothing is for everybody. I really believe everybody has to find their own tools, but for some people, chakra work, these visuals, these affirmations connecting to energy really resonate for people. And then you can use it in the moment, just like any other tool.
2: I like the fact that it's, it's something that anyone can tap into.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's something
2: that if you learn it and you understand it, you can utilize it. That's and right. That's a very strong modality as a tool for healing, in my opinion, at least.
1: Yeah, and it's with I you everywhere. You, you I mean, you don't need anything it's with you everywhere. right there. You don't need crystals, right? You don't need it. You can use yeah. them if you want, but you don't need any of that stuff. It's right there with you all the time, your chakras.
2: Well, and you could do it in such a way if you're sitting on a plane and you're dealing with a traumatic Mm-hmm. you know, episode, you could calm yourself there through breath work and focus guided mm-hmm. meditation. And no one really needs to know what you're doing. <laughs> you can do right. this in, in the midst of traffic in a, in a busy intersection. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: Oh, I do all the time, especially boundary work, because I live in LA. So I'm always in angry traffic situations. <laughs> <laughs> so energetic boundaries are very useful then.
2: <laughs> what is energetic boundary work? I've never heard that term.
1: Uh, Okay. Well, it's really working with um, the root chakra and the navel chakra. I I use the navel as the focus for the third chakra as opposed to the solar plexus. So for you or anyone listening familiar with the chakras that focuses on the solar, it's the same chakra, the third chakra, but I like to use the navel. But really the root and our navel, root is the chakra located at the tailbone, is linked to our body. And the navel chakra, our third chakra is linked to our sense of power and sense of self. And those two together, the strength of them working together, dictate our energetic boundary. Meaning, do we take on other people's emotions and energies without realizing or not? Do we have a healthy boundary where we're just feeling our own emotions And we're not at the mercy of what's going on around us in terms of taking on others' emotions. And women are particularly prone to taking on others' emotions, even more than men, although empathic men may be prone to it as well. And it's partially because women's energy bodies are centered in the second chakra, which is a receptive chakra. So we need to pay more attention to boundaries we're also conditioned to take on emotions from others, to be responsible for others' emotions. So that kind of contributes to the issue. So energetic boundary work is really learning to just almost put an energetic filter around you where you can still sense other people's emotions, but you don't take them into your body. You don't become angry because the person sitting next to you on the plane was angry, which can happen. Yeah.
2: You know, that's so interesting. I believe heavily in synchronicity. And as we're talking about Mm -hmm. this, one of my one of my family members was talking to me about having the ability to separate yourself from people around you that might have tumults Mm -hmm. going on or some type of Mm -hmm. drama. And you want to separate that, especially if you're an empathic Mm -hmm. person trying to create that, that Mm -hmm. proper distance. And it sounds like you already mastered that with your, with your work. And I think that's great. Let me ask you this. How do you connect what you do to concepts like the divine feminine, sacred feminine Mm -hmm. and feminine power, the, female-centric forces, how does this tie into those themes, and where does it differ?
1: Yeah, well, I think right now I feel as if the divine feminine is kind of having a renaissance (laughs) to a certain extent, and it's not something that's just happening for women. I mean, we are talking, we've been talking for quite a while about the rise of feminine power and uh, the Me Too movement and more women running for office. Things like that, all of which is very important. But now there's a greater understanding that the shifts need to be inner as well, and we need to bring forward the qualities that we have labeled feminine, and they've been denigrated. And that's impacted our relationship to the earth, et cetera, that we've had this very top-down patriarchal approach. To the earth and emotions, and I would say sexuality. And now we need to really source from a more nurturing, caring place that is based on a recognition of inner relationships, all of the, and our inner relationship and interdependence with the earth and with each other in order to, frankly, move forward on the planet, right? So to me, that's what it means, and chakra work is one piece of that. As we, as we get in touch with these forces within ourselves, both men and women, then we can reflect those more in the world, and that's part of a healing process and a shifting process. For se- in terms of sexual trauma, it's about what leads to sexual abuse and assault. What is it in our culture um, that leads to that kind of abuse and violence? And the roots of that are really about an imbalance of energies within us and within our culture that needs to be addressed.
2: I could see where that could be a problem, especially if it's an imbalance and it's something where people become codependent or they create Mm -hmm. these situations where it becomes an abusive, like you said. When you indicate that women go through energetic shifts related to Mm -hmm. things such as menstruation, their physical situations, Mm -hmm. menstruation, pregnancy, and menopause. Can you elaborate a little more about what you mean when you say shifts and energetic shifts?
1: Yeah. Well, so women are much more tied to these physical changes in their body. Men also have cycles hormonally and we're starting to understand those better. But for women, it's much more pronounced and it it really defines our physical life to some extent, right? We have this monthly cycle from puberty onwards until menopause We carry children, all of this kind of thing. And all of those things also impact our energy body. Our energy body has this cycle, this monthly cycle of sort of emanating outwards, our energy becoming very outward focused at the peak of ovulation and then it becoming very inward focused and if we can learn to work with that it can be quite powerful instead of feeling like something that's happening to us it can be like we're learning how to ride the surf of our own energy right and we know when we need to be more protective when we need to pay more attention to boundaries when we can be more contemplative what's when's a good time to say contemplate big decisions that actually during our menstruation is a good time to do that it's an inward facing phase Whereas at the peak of ovulation, our energy is more naturally outward-facing. It's a time to really bring things to fruition and creation, things like that. So partially, energy work can help someone understand how their energy shifts and why they're impacted differently at different times of the month by the energy of the people around them. So I'll stop there before I go on, because menopause is like a whole nother topic, pregnancy. <laughs> um, I can keep going, but I thought I'd let you see if you have any questions on that one first.
2: What what I appreciate about your work is that you have something that can be used in all life stages for women. It sounds like you, it sounds like you yeah. can work with uh, your female audience or your female clients from you know cradle to grave. <laughs> um,
1: yeah. How do you? Approach- well, and I oh go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and you know, with my male clients, I really try to help them tap into what energetic cycles do they have, because most of them feel that they do have one. It may not be exactly tied to a month, but they sent, they tra- they'll track over time this feeling of being more outward facing, more inward facing. And then when it comes to things like pregnancy and the mother-child energy line, which I do a lot of work with. All parents, fathers also obviously have lines to their children. So although it's not the same as the birth line, there's still value in learning to understand how am I linked to all the people in my life through various energy lines? How do their moods impact me? Can I, as you were talking about with this relative, you know, create space when someone else is going through something so I can help them but not take on their emotions as my own? All of that is part of the energy line work as well.
2: I can see that being very important for sure. What how does it differ between like when you work with women and and they actually have you you work with them in terms of their energy body and and then you're working with somebody who has like pregnancy and postpartum depression? Mm-hmm. How how does yeah. that differ for you when you work with women that have those kind of issues?
1: Well, part of what's going on postpartum is adjusting to having this energy line to a being who was inside you which is now outside of you, right? And we often call those first three months after the birth of a child the fourth trimester because in a way energetically that child is still very connected. But for some women that can feel overwhelming, like they cannot reconnect to their own energy. They feel so fatigued and drained. And so it's really about helping give them permission to seek support from their partners or whoever else there are in their they have in their life and practicing pretending to close this line for just five or 10 minutes at a time, giving yourself permission to not be taking on the energies of your child every second so that you can replenish your own energy. It's like putting on your oxygen mask first on the airplane. (laughs) Uh, That idea that they tell you to do and finding the right balance, finding the right balance. And that is what mothers really struggle with postpartum is finding the right balance of their own energy versus their child's energy, their own needs versus their child's needs. And we know already that feeling a lack of support or feeling isolation contributes to someone's risk for getting postpartum depression. So if someone has that support around managing their energy, then they are less likely to trigger into postpartum depression. Interesting. I I like that.
2: Looking at it this way, when you deal with postpartum depression, have you worked with clients who suffer from more clinical depression, long situations? And how does that differ in terms of your work that you you do in other type of circumstances, if at all?
1: yeah, well, I am a believer in combining energy work with traditional medicine. So I personally don't ever advise someone to only work energetically. I view this as a complementary treatment. Of course, everyone is different. And I do know people who have been on pharmaceuticals who have, who wanted to take themselves off them because of side effects and were able to do that. But more often I'm working with people who are in other forms of treatment. Maybe they're on an antidepressant and they're looking for ways to handle depressive episodes you know, emotionally, energetically. And then I'm really working with trying to help someone see how do you feel that as an energy and can you connect to the part of you that is seeing that energy? And can you feel it as an energy that is not all of you? It's something you're experiencing. It's the, it's like a cloud in the sky as opposed to the sky itself, I guess I would say. And yeah. so it's about creating a sense of spaciousness so you can be like, oh, I'm, about, I'm dipping down. I can feel it. I'm going into my downward cycle of the depressive cycle. I need to do this, this, and this to try to connect with others to not go deeper. Right? It's really about being able to catch yourself and not feeling completely consumed by the depressive feeling. And that's where energy work and meditation can be really helpful with creating that spaciousness around it.
2: I would also think it would give somebody that, the sense of slowing down, mm-hmm. the, the, the spiral, so to speak, where you, mm-hmm. you know you're getting depressed and you don't know how to, how to stop it. This might be a way of putting the brakes on that. Is that how you see it based on what you're saying?
1: Yeah, because it, really, it's about the fear. First, There, there's, there's the downward cycle, and then there's the fear over the downward cycle, which actually can speed it up, right? So it's, yeah, it's about being able to just be present with what is happening. And that goes a long way towards blunting the intensity of it, um, which I think is kind of what you're saying, as soon as you can see it and own it and be like, okay, this is like an energy in my body. It's not all that I am. It's not everything that I am
2: can reduce the severity of the episode for the person as well and not have them suffer as badly where they have to go from an extreme high to an extreme low back up to the middle.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And then there's other, you know, more fine-tuned kind of energy stuff you can do around literally trying to visualize balancing your your hormones and your energy, your endocrine levels and things like that, that some people have been very successful with. Now that takes a little bit more practice, but it's another level that you can take things to for sure.
2: Very interesting. Let me ask you this. You've mentioned you've worked with, with individuals that have, for example, maybe have a primary care physician or a therapist. How's your reception mm-hmm. been or how's your experience been working with medical professionals and having them be open-minded enough to see mm-hmm. the full value of what you can do in a particular scenario, mm-hmm. working with their patients or with your client, sharing, you know, the, mm-hmm. sharing the, 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 the modality of healing and, and what you can offer as compared to traditional medicine? I guess my question would be, how have you been received? in those
1: kind of scenarios. Well, I'm in Los Angeles, so I hear it's pretty open, right? But even, (laughs) I mean, most of my family is in the Midwest and a lot of my family lives in Minnesota near the Mayo Clinic. And I'm encouraged really by the changes that are occurring, at least in terms of meditation, you know, just basic, the idea of mindfulness and meditation. There really is a wider acknowledgement of the benefits that it can have for anyone. You know, chakra work in particular, it's it's a mixed bag. Most of the therapists who I've had clients, that have, some therapists have actually referred clients to me because they want their clients to have, in addition to the talk modality that they're doing in sessions, they want them to have these tools outside of sessions and they don't want to spend therapy time teaching them. So in that sense, it's a great compliment that like, okay, in talk therapy, we're really getting into the roots of why you have these patterns. And then you're learning tools for when you're triggered right in the moment in your day, how you can move through them. So I think for the most part, it's positive. I have had clients once in a while where they'll say, oh, I could never tell my doctor I'm doing this, or I can never tell my therapist I'm doing that. And that does concern me because we need to look at the whole person, right? We need to look at the whole person. Um, so I hope things continue to move in that direction.
2: I would say LA would probably be the most open-minded area <laughs> for this kind of work oh, yeah. comparatively to say, for example, other areas of the country that are more rural or may not be as open-minded.
1: Yeah, well, you know what? I think I, I, what oh, I should go. oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. We go. Well, I was just gonna say because I work by phone and Zoom, I actually have people all over the world, and that's the interesting thing is that some some people that I work with they don't have access to therapists in their area, so I would really like them to be doing both, but it's not an option. And and although I'm not a therapist in that sense, I'll still work with them to get whatever benefits we can uh, because the reality is in a lot of rural areas, you don't have access to other modalities. So that's part of the reason I did open up to doing phone and zoom work because then people can really benefit no matter where they live in the world.
2: Absolutely. You know, this is a great opportunity for you to share your website with our audience where people could reach out to you if they wanted to for example after they're hearing this episode they decide they want to talk to you further about this where would they find you
1: yeah, well, the book website is chakraempowermentforwomen.com, and the book's available everywhere Amazon and Barnes and Noble, et cetera. And that's a great place to start because then you can see if you resonate with this kind of approach, this kind of chakra approach. And on the book website, I also have recorded audios of the exercises and other book recommendations, so you can kind of use that as a a way of exploring this path and 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 other modalities, and then my client website is enlightenedenergetics.com. dot com, but I'd like to mention one other organization I work with, which you mentioned in my bio, which is called the Breathe. Net.org or the Breathe Network, but the the website is the breathenet.org. And because they connect specifically sexual trauma survivors with holistic healers of all types, many of whom do work by phone and Zoom. Some are local, but you can actually type in your zip code and it'll help you find a practitioner.
2: I think that's great. You need we need to have these resources available to people out there. So the fact Mm -hmm. that you brought up the Breathe Network. And the work that you're doing, I think, is so pivotal for giving people an outlet in areas, like you said, they may not have access to this type yeah. of treatment or, or, you know, guidance and help. And it's, it's a modality that's very important. Uh, tell us a little about your class. I know that you have a, a daily on course, uh, Awakening Your Feminine mm-hmm. Chakras. If you could tell us a little about mm-hmm. that and if it's, you know, how people would find out more about it.
1: Yeah, daily OM is a self-paced um, kind of class forum for anybody that doesn't know. They have a lot of classes on there, and this one is specifically focused on a lot on the second chakra. It's not that particular course of mine is not all about sexual trauma healing. It's really about helping a woman connect with her second, fourth, and third eye chakras, the sacral chakra, the heart chakra, and the third eye, because I consider those kind of the heart of the feminine energy body. So they're very much about connecting with those chakras, but it does start from the very, very beginning of explaining what a chakra is and walking someone through very basic chakra work. And then in the The book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, I'm also doing a course tied to that book, which I'll repeat. Uh, I'm in the middle of that course right now, but I'll repeat it again in the summer. And it's really meant to be almost like a book study to help someone go deeper if the book on its own, they need a little bit more support around it.
2: Excellent. I love that. Let me ask you this. You talk about subtle bodies, aging in general, impact one's subtle body. Mm. Mm.
1: Yeah, this is one area that I think we can do a lot of work on in our culture because we really view aging as kind of the decline of the physical body. It's like it's all bad. (laughs) And, you know, the body is going to age. And there's so much we can do to slow the aging of our body and keep ourselves feeling healthy and fit longer. And all of that is great. But really, as we age, our energy body can become more powerful. And I once was reading some spiritual teachings on the death process. And the way it's really viewed ideally is like as your physical body ages, you become more and more connected to your energy body and through that to your spirit. And so at the point that you die, it's like your physical body is just this last sheath falling off because now you've come into your true light and power. And I really feel like that model fits within any religious tradition or any anybody that, that you know, any belief system, because it's really just about saying, okay, your physical body will decline, but your true self is on another level energy, which we know is true from a physics perspective, right? And you can connect with that more and more strongly as you age, as opposed to that doesn't diminish as your physical body diminishes.
2: It it sounds like it it ramps up. (laughs) And your it should, to yeah. If you,
1: if you have the tools to connect with it, you know, which a lot of us don't, right? You, you and I have been lucky that some, you know, things in our life made us turn to, to our energy bodies.
2: Yes, absolutely. And it's funny when you said that, it makes me think when I talk to people, because I do psychic mediumship work, and I'll tell people that when people come through from the other side, the deceased loved ones will say, that energetically that's what's left their spirit, their energy is left and energy is constant. And that's what connects us mm-hmm. to our loved ones on the other side. So what you're describing mm-hmm. to me and that the physical body is like a vehicle. It's like an old car yep. from the eighties. You'll see this old car, but that doesn't mean that, the, that what's inside of that is old. It just means the that's outside, right. the take it, it takes physical impacts from gravity and all these other elements of our physical existence. And at some point that, like you said, falls away and we go back to where we, we should go. Yeah. The next Spot. Yeah, I love the way that you categorize that.
1: Yeah, and we just really have, and I think social media has maybe made this even worse in a way because the focus is so much on physical appearance. So I think that's something we really need to pay attention to in our world is not being so hyper-focused on just the body as the, the be-all and end-all, how you look and how young you look and all of that so that we are triggered to move inward and empower on this other level, that's much more fulfilling,
2: and it's so much more balancing for your for your existence by focusing yeah. on your energy body and your subtle body and those kind of things. I yeah, uh, absolutely. How does um how do you work energetically with trauma survivors, and how does that differ, for example, when you work with somebody from that as compared to doing someone who has menstruation or menopause?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the first thing is with trauma in particular, and you don't always know if someone is a trauma survivor. Sometimes they may not share it right away. I've often had that. There's like a certain amount of trust that has to develop before someone will tell me that's actually the reason they came to me. Um, so I always you know, proceed in a trauma-sensitive way, which is essentially to really make sure it feels like a dialogue that we're in this healing process together. It's not that I'm this healing medium or this authority that's going to do something to you to heal you, it's that we are working together to explore your psyche and your body and your energy body and help discover where there's obstructions and and what we can clear. So that's the first thing that I do.
2: I think that's phenomenal. And
1: yeah, No, so I was just going to say, and then I think with trauma in particular, I'm always going to focus, if I know someone's a trauma survivor, on those lower chakras first. And I'm trying to, through question and answer, figure out what are the ways that they might be dissociating from emotions or feelings as a result of the trauma. And by dissociating, I mean patterns of like escapism, And that could be addictions, that could be video games, TV, that could just be patterns of sort of isolating themselves from social situations, or, you know, hiding away, um, or patterns of not speaking their truth, just always people pleasing, there's a lot of different ways we might create walls, and things like that. So I'm always kind of first looking for what ways they feel disconnected or in what ways they engage in escapist practices that they want to try to change because they feel it's holding them back?
2: Things that I've had, a couple of close friends of mine over the years, I didn't know they had a, a traumatic mm-hmm. experience sexually. A lot of, a lot yeah. of times I find, I'm not in any way an expert at all, I don't know if you found this, that the person might be disconnected with their physical appearance and they may put on some weight to cocoon themselves. Mm-hmm. So that they don't yeah. think in their mind, they're thinking it's not going to happen again to them. Is that something that you yeah. found working in your own way with trauma victims? All that they, they may the sometimes...
1: time. Wow. Yeah. That's so it's tragic. So it's so interesting. tragic. Yeah. Or it can go the other direction, especially for when This is more common for women with eating disorders. It can be a kind of punishing the body. So there can be a, you know, not attending to the body, unhealthy body. Like there's just in general, a disconnect with the body. So it can kind of go into eating disorders or weight issues or just not taking care of the body. And that is all root chakra. That root chakra is all about our connection with our body. So if you're disconnected from those lower chakras, there's not this sense that your vehicle, your body is a vehicle you need to take care of, right? We were talking about aging. Your body is a vehicle that you should care for. There's shame associated with the body and so there's either an attempt to hide it or to do away with it almost.
2: It's interesting you bring that analogy up. because I, I was, I was thinking when you said that, with the body's a vehicle, I'm thinking like, it's like someone in an analogy, uh, taking your car, not putting any air in the tires, not putting any gas in yeah. it, and just driving it till the, till the engine seizes and you can collapse, you know, the the, the, the yeah. car stops to work. I, I feel like the yeah. physical body could be the same way. If you disconnect from it and you're, and you're in this pattern of denial and, and victimization in your mind, it, it can create this imbalance that your work particularly can help change that cycle with your clients. Is that something that's that exactly yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
1: And, and and I often talk about uh You know, instead of body image, I really focus on body love. Like, what does it really mean to appreciate being in your body? And that can often be one of the first sort of assignments that I'll give someone is to this week, you know, between sessions, really focus on every time you do something in your body that you wouldn't be able to do without a body that you enjoy. Like if you enjoy listening to music, well, that requires ears. If you enjoy food, I mean, you enjoy the experience of eating, like just anything. If you enjoy walking outside or smelling a flower, just to try to get people to connect with their body, not as a source of shame, which is what happens, especially with sexual trauma survivors, but as the vehicle that they're here living through. So they can start to really develop some kind of body love that's not based on how their body looks. Because our culture really focuses on how our body looks. And it's really about how you feel related to your body. You know, it's interesting, though, because this is something else I see in men, uh, because you asked about the differences between how men and women trauma survivors might manifest it. It's interesting that I will sometimes see, it can happen to both men and women, but especially male sexual trauma survivors that are really into working out and being very muscled up, and it's actually this kind of I'll never be vulnerable response. Okay. And so even though it would seem as if they're extremely healthy and they are physically healthy, their relationship to their body is still actually not all that positive. It's never good enough. It's never chiseled enough. It's never strong enough. It's almost mm. exercised as a form of self-hatred as opposed to self-care. So you really have to go into the details uh, to understand someone's story
2: and everybody has their own unique story, indeed. So I could see where you can yeah. customize your approach based on the person's dynamic and what they're working through and dealing with. Yeah. And that actually ties into my question because I was going to ask you next on in terms of working with energy work and, and, and in, with the work that you do. How does sexual trauma that you find specifically impact our energy body? From like a healthy person i shouldn't say healthy mm-hmm. from someone who has not experienced a trauma versus someone who has the trauma and you're and you're being mm-hmm. introduced to them for the first time like what do you find
1: the main things that. that i would see like if i was just doing a chakra reading the first thing would be this disconnection from the lower chakras that i mentioned that the person's energy will tend to be up in their upper chakras and not down in their lower chakras Sometimes I see a lacking in the third chakra, which is hypervigilance, meaning someone seems to be in a high, almost anxious state all of the time. It's really hypervigilance is this scanning for danger almost all the time. So someone can appear very high-strung, very anxious. Uh, the other thing will often be communication issues. And, and, and everyone doesn't exhibit all of these patterns. These are just the different ways it might reflect And that's especially like in childhood abuse survivors, they may have been forced to keep something secret. So there'll be like these blocks that build up around their throat chakra in terms of their ability to communicate because it got imprinted on them very young. You can't share the truth, right? You have to hide this part of you. And then shame and shame. You can really see in the energy body as an intuitive healer, I don't know if you see that intuitively in that way, but shame really is like a weight on people that I often see it in is. the heart and sacral chakra, just weighing someone down. So those are kind of the main things that I would see on an energy body uh, of someone who's been abused.
2: Let me ask you this. Uh, we talked about this a little before we got on the air, but I want to bring this up anyway, because we're at a pivotal point. We have about 15 minutes left. I want to make sure I hit as many of these points as possible for our audience, it's mm-hmm. just for my own intrigue. but let's say someone's listening to this right now and they may not even recall their trauma. It might've happened 15 years ago. They put Mm -hmm. on weight. They are married. They seem very functioning. They have a lot going for them, but they have Mm -hmm. these cycles where they just deal with this depression and this emptiness Mm -hmm. and this disconnect and they might have social anxiety. What would Mm -hmm. you say to someone like that who's listening to this to give them some guidance and maybe some hope? that their condition can be handled or they you know how do you work with someone like that what would you say to them
1: yeah i would say it's worth going into the pain for the greater happiness that you'll get on the other side because often if someone is basically functional they're like i don't want to rock the boat yes i have these occasional downward spirals but in general i'm doing fine so i'm just going to keep that packed away I think the real impetus, what often happens if someone doesn't, is it can actually manifest as a physical crisis. Someone can manifest an illness if they don't kind of, and I don't mean to scare people, but this is one of the things that can happen. It's like our body gives us messages that you have to deal with this and heal this. So what I would say is to seek support and you don't have to relive the trauma. That's not necessary to heal. You can work with how it impacts you in these downward spirals what is it that's rising up there's something that's coming from the depths of you that's calling to you to heal it it's really like an inner child that is calling for you to turn and look at it as opposed to avoiding it and when you do so you can integrate that part of you into you In psychology, trauma is defined as some experience we can't integrate into our psyche, so we push it away. So trauma healing is defined as instead of pushing it away, you turn and face it full on. And when you do that, it's never as scary as you thought it was going to be. And then you can reintegrate it into who you are. And it becomes a source of wisdom instead of something you're putting so much energy into pushing away. It's, it's it's
2: equivalent, in my opinion, of when you said that. I got the word having acceptance with your condition, your situation.
1: Yeah, Coming exactly. to terms with
2: it so that you can work through it. Would that be accurate what you, with what you're describing?
1: Exactly, yeah. And it feels as if that's going to be scary and I'm doing fine. I don't want to do that. But until we're free of it, we often don't realize how much energy we were putting into pushing it away. There's so much freedom in not having to hide something away in shame or secrecy. We expend a lot of energy hiding parts of ourselves. And when we just face them and integrate them, there's just a lot of freedom in it. A lot of relief is really how people describe it.
2: Have you ever worked with uh, male or females that have um, some type of, you mentioned addiction. Have you worked with people who have sexual addictions or those kind of uh, compulsive behaviors? And if so, how does that differ from the work you've done with, for example, sexual trauma victims?
1: Yeah. I haven't worked so much with sexual addiction. That is kind of a side issue. But I meant more like drug and alcohol addiction, trauma survivors are at much higher risk of addiction issues, of substance substance abuse issues, because it's an escapist mechanism, right? So it's another way of hiding from that inner pain. So we know that trauma survivors in general of all types – are, have much higher rates of substance addiction than other groups. So, in that sense, uh, if someone's already in treatment for, say, alcohol or drug addiction, chakra work can be very helpful in giving people those tools for managing their energy and learning how to stay with discomfort that might usually trigger them into wanting to drink or use something, right? So really learning how to stay with that discomfort instead of running from it and learning how to dissolve that discomfort energetically in their body, whatever that feeling is, fear or sadness, whatever it is, right there in the moment as opposed to having to run from it. Um, Sexual addiction is interesting. It's complicated, and it really has a lot to do from what I've seen with helping to balance out the second chakra energies so that they're, all the energy isn't locked in the first and second chakra uh, and really okay. helping to kind of get the flow going through the whole body.
2: That's interesting. I think it sounds like I've had shamanism and shamans on the show before and the concept yeah. of looking at the body as a whole and the word disease it's hyphenated. So you think and it, it sounds yeah. like similar concepts in certain part, parts or there's uh, uh, similar uh, similarities between energy work and the concept of looking at the gestalt of the body and seeing it as a whole and trying to uh, incorporate all those elements of who we are so that you can help mm-hmm. someone work past their traumatic episode or their traumatic experience and, and reprogram. Would you consider this like a reprogramming reprogram- of the energetic body that you learn to do through techniques
1: that's exactly what it is. So you have a pattern of meeting the world with a very closed heart, a very closed down heart. It's self-protective because of what you experienced growing up. You're really practicing emanating and opening up that heart. And, you, and then in moments where you feel yourself contracting in fear, instead you flash upon this open heart chakra and it triggers you into another way of being. And if you do that enough, it will become automatic. The same with boundaries. If you have a problem with energetic boundaries, you're taking on other people's emotions a lot. At first, you'll have to practice kind of the root chakra and navel chakra, visualizing them lighting up and creating this boundary around you. But if you do it enough, eventually it becomes automatic. It becomes a new default of the way you are in the world. You don't need to think about it anymore. And you stop absorbing other people's emotions and you can just feel your own energetic integrity. So it absolutely is a kind of reprogramming using the chakras as the tool for doing that.
2: I want to ask you this. When you go through your approach with these different types of circumstances, one of the terms I think you've mentioned, or it's something that's in your book, trauma sensitivity. Can you tell us a little Mm -hmm. about what trauma sensitivity is and why it's important to keep that in mind when working with the chakras?
1: Yeah. Well, and trauma sensitivity is really for anyone working with anyone, uh, as a counselor, as a meditation teacher, as an energy worker, as a psychic medium. It's understanding the principles of how trauma survivors might get triggered. And the real principle is to allow for choice. Because what trauma is experienced as is you don't have control. Something happens to you that's not in your control. Even if it's an abuse, assault, sexual abuse or assault, it's obviously someone attacking you. But even if it's an accident or a war situation or that kind of trauma, the essential experience is that something happens out of your control and you can't do anything about it. So the main trigger is any process, like healing process, or relationship to a healer where someone is made to feel like they're not in charge, they have no say, that can actually be re-traumatizing for someone. And it's interesting because I'll have people come to me and they worked with healers who were very well-meaning but didn't understand that principle and it would be like, okay, we're going to release this trauma from your body and like started to lead them through a process that took them into such an emotional state, it felt re-traumatizing and they felt as if they weren't allowed to say, let's stop this now, I don't want to do this right now. And so being trauma-informed and trauma-sensitive is really realizing that with trauma you have to be very delicate. You have to really allow for choice and you really have to let, help the person feel as if this is a dialogue you're going to work together and see what feels right. Um, and there's no rules like it, it, it's you don't have to have your eyes closed. You don't want to have your eyes closed. We can do it with your eyes open, uh, you know, all these kinds of things. So that is really the principles of trauma sensitivity. And the Breathe Network has a bunch of classes actually for healers of all types that teach how to do your modality in a trauma-informed way. So I really recommend any healers out there listening to go there and look into those.
2: Um, definitely something that I think our audience should check out for sure. Spiritual disassociation and how that plays mm-hmm. with the con- within the context of energy, body, and trauma victims and reactions to such?
1: So, spiritual disassociation is really the idea that we can, in fact, use personal growth and spiritual tools that are meant to help us grow as a way of escaping growing, if that makes sense. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we almost get tricked, you know, and, and I don't know if you've met people like this or not, but sometimes because the kind of people that are going to come to me as a chakra healer for their trauma, they're going to usually be already very spiritually and energetically inclined. So sometimes I'll get individuals who are just jumping from say one modality to another. And they have what they're really doing is adding stories on spiritual bypassing is another word for it. It's like my angels told me this is the issue. My astrologer told me this is the issue. I went to this workshop and, and did this and I did that and I did this. And at a certain point, Instead of it actually helping them to face what they need to face and get more grounded in their life, it's become another mechanism for escaping. And how it reflects chakrically is someone may be very open in their third eye and their crown. They're very attuned to spiritual energies of all types and spiritual forces, but they can't function in their life. They can't hold a job. They can't function normally in society And so that is kind of how spiritual disassociation manifests is that someone's spiritual path itself becomes part of the problem, not the path itself, but the way they're relating to it. And again, it's all about connecting them to the lower chakras and the themes of those chakras of getting real in their life and sort of breaking that habit.
2: That's an interesting approach. We're running low on time, if you could believe how fast this interview went today. <laughs> uh, yeah,
1: it did go fast. When, Thank you for your great question.
2: I mean, I, I just it's such a topic that I feel so... I know you're passionate about it, and I am enjoying yeah. us discussing it, because I don't feel like it's discussed enough. Healing yeah. for women, empowerment for both sexes, and sexual trauma, and helping yeah. someone who deals with all these types of circumstances to put the pieces together and find the path for themselves to a better existence where they can cope better and have these things in place that can help them work through these traumatic episodes when they occur. I think Mm that's, that's pivotal for what you're doing right now. And I deeply appreciate that. Uh, In the the last few minutes that are left, I just wanted to ask you a little about your work as a, in in terms of meditation and if you could tell us a little Mm -hmm. about how you got your certification and how that works in terms of your energy work and Mm -hmm. in terms of your modality
1: Mm -hmm. of healing. Well, I think the most basic form of meditation, which is where I started all the way back in college, 35 years ago now, is mindfulness. And mindfulness is now taught in hospitals and all over the place, schools. And it's really, you know, it's non-religious meditation. It's non-spiritual. It's just attending to your body and your breath. And it can become a doorway into energy work and chakra awareness because when you pay attention to your body with that kind of mindfulness, you start to notice energy sensations that you may have never noticed before because you were so busy. Your mind was so busy. So I really believe in mindfulness as the starting point for anyone. And anyone these days can get an app on their phone or a local class that will teach them basic mindfulness. And from there, shift into chakra work if if they're drawn to it. That's
2: great. That's great.
1: How do you see the future of this?
2: Ten years from now, where do you see what you're doing today? Where do you see it going, the next step?
1: I think it will become more and more integrated with Western medicine and psychology. I think that's the trend. We are starting to recognize us as whole beings, as holistic beings, and that we have these layers to us. I also think from a spiritual perspective, there's this shift towards more and more people becoming spiritual, but not necessarily religious. They may not necessarily be associated or aligned with a particular religious organization, so I think there'll be a growing interest in modalities like this as a path for spiritual growth, whether you choose to align with a religious organization or not. So I think there'll be more mainstream and more sort of non-affiliated with a particular organization.
2: (laughs) That's great. I I agree with you. I think it's going to be greater, wider acceptance. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then they embrace of this. Like, Partially um, thanks to people can... like you that are helping, you know, get this stuff out there, get this information out there.
2: Uh, thank you. Thank you. We're all part of the same message.
0: <laughs> what yeah. can we
2: take within ourselves to heal ourselves and each other? That's what I think this is yeah. really about, connecting that. I want to thank you for coming on. I really do. And um, just once again, if anyone wants to reach out to you, the best way to reach you is through your website. And um, is there any other way that someone, if they want to reach out to you, can, can get a hold of you?
1: Yeah, I'm on social media as Chakra Empowerment on both Facebook and Instagram and on Twitter as Mommy Mystic, which is also my blog. (laughs) So between Chakra Empowerment and Mommy Mystic, you'll find me, whether website or social media.
2: I really appreciate it. And and thank you so much for coming on our show today and sharing this important work that you're doing right now, because I feel that what you're doing is really helping a lot of people in need. And that's just something that I, I really respect and admire. And thank you so much for that.
1: And thank you, Jason, so much for having me on. (laughs) No problem, Lisa. Thank you. Keep us posted, by the way. If you have any other books come
2: out or if there's anything else you want to share with our audience, I'd love to have you back on.
1: Thank you. That's great.
2: Okay. Thank you. (laughs) Have a great day. Thank you. I just want to thank Lisa Erickson for coming on today and sharing her insights regarding her new book, Chakra Empowerment for Women, Self-Guided Techniques for Healing Trauma and Finding Overall Wellness. With the Me Too movement, which was mentioned during our interview, and with the awareness of sexual trauma being such a commonplace thing in our society, I think one of the things so many of us forget about as a society is, what about healing? When you have this happen to you, that's not the end. The end result is working through it to get yourself to the next step for bettering yourself. If you're dealing with a, a post-traumatic circumstances, or if you had some type of really negative experience in your life that's shaking the roots of who you are. And if you're open to exploring this, I highly recommend that you look into getting help for yourself through a traditional therapist, uh, medical professional. The, The beauty of this is you can also utilize someone like Lisa Erickson in terms of her energy work. So you can have all these different layers of healing occurring at the same time. And that's something that I believe very strongly. And I think the holistic aspect of the body, the mind, body, spirit, we're just starting to, that's like the tip of the iceberg of where we are right now in understanding it in terms of our mainstream society. And rather than reducing conditions to interconnected parts and having it treated to a physical source, I think something with what Lisa's doing and, and her chakra empowerment for women is helping people to see that it's not just all about the physical. It's not all about reducing it. There's a bigger approach that can really help guide people. And that's why I feel very strongly about having Lisa on the show today, highlighting her work, promoting her book, Chakra Empowerment for Women. Check it out. Look into it. Once again, her website, www.enlightenedenergetics.com or chakraempowermentforwomen.com. Until next time. If you have any questions about this episode or any suggestions for content for our show, you can always reach out to me at info at the letter D, socialpsychicradio.com. You can also check us out on social media. And I really appreciate you for tuning in to this episode and listening to what we had to say about this very important topic, chakra empowerment for women. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Are you looking for that perfect gift to express your appreciation for your loved one or bestie? Well, look no further. Royal Susie offers one-of-a-kind designs with genuine high-quality crystals, stones and the most precious of metals that are guaranteed to satisfy the urges of your inner king or queen. Each piece is handcrafted with love and is sure to inspire and captivate all. Indulge yourself by visiting Royal Susie's website at www.royalsusie.com for splendid items like agate bookends, impressively crystal studded bottle stoppers and beautifully handcrafted nightlights that will charm every room in your home. Royal Susie's featured collections will truly delight your guests and always make them feel welcome. Any questions? Contact Royal Susie directly by email at royalsusiedesigns@yahoo.com. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices.